Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. I'm your host, Stella, and this is Backroll to Oracle, episode 89 for October MMXIV. Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are December's Backrow number 37 and Gotham Academy number 3, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Backroll to Oracle is also brought to you by TweakedAudio.com, high-performance, noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com, plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. Backroll to Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag TBU family. Well, I have been waiting for this, I think, since I met you guys in San Diego, Comic-Con, and I have been looking forward to this issue, and I was not disappointed, and I think the world was not disappointed, and I'm so glad to have you guys on. So I have Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, and Babs Tarr, the new creative team of Backroll. So welcome to Backroll to Oracle. Hello. Thank you. Thanks, Stella. Of course, yeah. So, hey, it's finally out. How does it feel? That's my first question. How does it feel? I mean, I I feel like this has been for months just, you know, we got these images. People were, they were unsure, I think, at the, you know, at the start. And then we got in uh, just a 
an inrush, I guess that's probably a terrible way of saying it, of, of all these fan arts. And I mean, were you guys just waiting to see how it be received? And how does it feel now that it's out there finally? We've been dying to talk about it. Come on, like yeah. Stella, when we met you in San Diego, like we just wanted to tell you everything. <laughs> everything. I wish you would have, yeah. Well, we could, our boss was right there. Oh, we couldn't. I know, I know. <laughs> Mark, yeah, it's weird. It's, down it, the stairs. <laughs> I think for Babs, this is more of a momentous occasion than than it is for me because I have a bunch of comics that are already out, and this is this is Babs' first ever one. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been crazy. Um, because it. Because all my comic friends are like, this is not how it usually goes, Babs. <laughs> like, on the way Batgirls happened. And, uh, I'm, you know, I have nothing to gate, like, to compare it to. So it's just been kind of a crazy wild ride. And I'm taking everything as it comes. But it's been really, it's been really cool. I'm really relieved that everyone seems to, like, accept my art style. Like, I was kind of nervous about that because it's so different. But it's I still have my reservations. But. <laughs> You tell her now. <laughs> so have yeah. the responses been, I mean, have you kind of gotten a sense or do you keep away from the internet and not really care what other people have, have been saying? No, we're crazy. We read pretty much every review. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which they tell you not on. to do, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting to read reviews. I mean, it, it's art isn't just about expression it's about communication and i think when you make something and you put it out into the world you are interested to see how it's responded and how or how it's responded to and how it's perceived and so i like reading reviews i think you know you have to take some of them with a grain of salt and you have to uh you know kind of not make sure that you don't adjust the content specifically to get good reviews but mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think it's uh, i think it's really valuable to read reviews and see and see how the work is is uh is being read and by who? Like, I feel like the reviews really—you can see like who wrote it, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And speaking about you know reviews and from particular people, I also really loved Gotham Academy number one. Oh, thank I you. I have to say, and I feel like Gotham Academy and this is really ushering a new tone and a new era in this new Fifty Two. And so, do you think you're bringing in uh, a new type of audience as well with with Batgirl that seems generally happier and you know happy go lucky and and a, a bit of a po- more positive tone than we've seen in the past? Well, I I think we just really wanted to do the types of books that we wanted to read, both with Gotham Academy and Batgirl, um, and. We were hoping that it uh, would reach a, a larger audience, um, and if that's what's happening, then I, I think we're extremely happy about that. I don't know, is it too early to say that that's happening? I, I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of responses from people saying that they're, these are their first DC books ever, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, I see that a lot, of people yeah. saying that it's the, the first DC book or the first comic that they've read in 10 years or whatever. I mean, obviously it remains to be seen if they're going to stick with us, and we hope yeah. that they do. But uh, the, the initial response seems to be really positive. And it, it, as Brendan said, we, we've just been making the comics that we want to make. Like, there was no editorial mandate to do this. We weren't instructed to do this. We, you know... Um, if anything, it was kind of pitched to us as, as kind of more in line with what was already being published. And we said, well, actually, it would be a lot more fun if we did it this way. And uh, fortunately, our, you know, our editor-in-chief, Mark Doyle, um, or sorry, the Bat Group editor, um, really went to bat for us and, and uh, you know, kind of pushed this through and allowed us to see this vision 
it's really you true. There was, there was no directive from DC at all to make any kind of particular flavor of book. It was just, um, just kind of make some good comics and, and what would you do? And then, you know, we, like other people just pitched and it, it really, the difference, I, like, I think there are a lot of people who would make these kind of comics. There are a lot of artists out there who would want to do this sort of thing with Batgirl. I mm-hmm. think, um, we just happened to get a crack at it, and um, and we happened to have a, a an editor, a group editor, who like totally, totally believed in what we were doing, and and was willing to go to the mats for it, and and he fought to to make it a reality. Um, Which, yeah, so you know we're we're all super super grateful for. It, mm-hmm, so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mark, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure he will, or hopefully anyways, yeah. So my last question before we get into what we actually want to talk about the issue, I'm just astounded that you guys are from three different countries. And I think, you know, I got a sense of it when you said, well, we're in three different countries and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, well, it's got to be U.S. and Canada. But I was trying to figure out the third. And then, you know, I found out just trying to get this interview, Germany. So being in three different countries, can you give an idea of how the creative process goes? How do you guys work together being so far away from each other? It's a struggle between uh, Cameron and I because we actually need to, we need like a lot of FaceTime. Right. We need, uh, and FaceTime being the application, the iOS and <laughs> yeah. Mac OS X yeah. application uh, comes uh. in handy a lot of the time. Yeah, but I mean, we, we're on FaceTime all the time to write with each other. And um, it's just gotten more challenging the deeper we've, we've gotten because um, Cameron's time is more limited with, um, with Fight Club on the horizon. So we're doing, we're doing writing work separately, and then we come together when we can. Um, in fact, I believe we have a, a hot date after this podcast wow, to uh, indeed. go over issues 39 and 40. Awesome. Um, but that's it. It's tough. It's like you know time difference and, and just finding the time. Um, and then just making the most of it. And then I don't know how you guys uh, handle the artwork in particular. Yeah. I, mean, I, know how you it it. I don't know how much time you, you spend, though, chatting. What's, yeah. I don't know how much time you guys spend chatting to each other about it. Not really. We, we've, been, yeah. um, we've been doing Skype sessions for the coloring. We, kind of, we get Maris on Skype as well, and we kind of go through the issue in black and white and talk it all out and what we want to see. And, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally confident just trusting Babs to do her thing. So I give her the layouts, and she sends back the finished art. And then once – usually um, I'll go through it with kind of a red pen and kind of flag a little bit. There are usually really, really minor little things here and there that I think could just be tweaked and, and made a little better. But, but uh, It's like the yeah, generally, penis generally, graffiti her- on the wall, like take that penis graffiti off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I'm That's so what Burnside is. Yeah. Uh, keep Cameron on his toes now. <laughs> <laughs> she, she tries to she tries to get things past me. She's like, she, it's almost like you know she's putting things in deliberately. So I'll flag you. You can't have that, and then then I'll leave everything else alone. Uh, <laughs> she's crafty. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be on the lookout, frankly. I'm terrified that one of the because they're getting they're getting worse and worse. I'm I'm wondering if <laughs> one of these days one of them is going to get through and DC is going to get sued because of something that she's hidden in the background. It's going to be. I mean, Brenda, you just mentioned Fight Club, and that happens in the movie. I don't know what Cameron's doing in terms of fight, but you just mentioned Fight Club, and remember there's yeah, a little uh, flash of of a penis. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> he, he mentioned that because I'm I'm the illustrator of Fight Club Two, gotcha. which I'm working on at the moment. And uh, but yeah, it could be that it could be Tyler has has broken out of that comic and is infecting Batgirl now. No, is infecting Babs actually. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's really out of control here on issue thirty-seven. These pages, I mean, th- they look great, but man, the stuff she's hiding in them, yeah. it's like it's it's a danger zone. Is a filthy, filthy Easter egg hunt. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a question. Yeah, at the end of this uh, episode, just, you know, are there any Easter eggs that probably I missed or readers missed in this first issue? So I look forward to that answer then. The answer is absolutely. Okay. Well, I hope you let us know what is in on the secret. So let's actually talk about this issue. Because okay. I, I, it was amazing, I have to say. So, you. you know, the first, we, we just start off right away being in Burnside and saying goodbye to Alicia. So I do wonder, my first question would be, what's up with that? Because we saw previously, at least, you know, at the tail end of Gail Simone's run, that Babs wants to start this new life and she's going to take her roommate with her. And so here they're kind of parting. I feel like it's not over. But then she's got this new roommate, Frankie. So what, what can you tell us about this? Well, first of all, we're not saying goodbye to her. Okay. Uh, she's, she is saying goodbye on this page, but okay. she even pops up later on in the issue itself. So right. it's not the last time we're going to see Alicia. Voice and we'll see her. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see her again. Um, we're just not going to – I mean we wanted to expand her social circle a mm-hmm. little bit um, and give her more than just one friend. And so – because of that and because of space and everything, it, it, in order to give each character their due screen time, Elysia is not going to be in it every single issue. Mm-hmm. But when it's relevant for her to be there and when she serves a purpose in the story, um, she'll absolutely be there. She's going to continue being a, a part of the cast. Um, we know how important that character is to, to uh, a number of fans, and, and we want to respect that and make sure that she's still there. And we think it's going to actually be kind of fun because, we, you know, in some of the upcoming issues, we, we get Alicia to be able to interact with Bab's other friends. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is we're able to flesh Alicia out a little bit more by having her interact with other people other than just Bab's. Yeah, it's it's more than just a two-hander, you know. Like I, I don't know anybody who has just one friend or or just a roommate. Um, so we we were very conscious that we needed to uh, expand the the number of characters in Barbara's life, and um, having Elysia, uh continue to be her roommate, um, it it um, it continued a dynamic that we wanted to shift. So though Alicia's still there, she serves kind of the same point that she was serving before, but because Barbara's at a different point in her life, she needs um, different types of characters pushing and pulling her directly. And having Alicia just outside of that lets her be this voice of reason, um, lets her be this more sort of um, uh, grounded voice mm-hmm. that Barbara can choose to run to if she feels like she's in trouble mm-hmm. or run away from if she feels like she needs to rebel. Which I think we see in that text message that she sends her and says, you know, I called you. and Exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah. the whole thing after the party as well. And yeah. people generally, I mean, this is something that we can speak to. This has been a lot of the criticism about what, what we're doing with Barbara right now is I think people are looking at this as, as being a single note <laughs> melody that we're playing. Uh, when in fact, it's, it's got a lot more to it. And this is just the beginning of a larger composition 
And that little grace note of, uh, of an email from Alicia is mm-hmm. very telling about where we as the authors believe Barbara is in her life right now and what she's doing. So we're almost using, like, we're using Alicia as us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What can you say about Frankie and her character? How is she going to be different from Alicia? That, that well, Frankie's younger. Frankie's okay. Barbara's age. And yeah. she, is, she represents everything that, that um, Barbara doesn't have that she wishes that she had. Like, mm-hmm. like um, social, um, so, you know. She's uh, super comfortable in her own skin. Like, Frankie's yeah. confident and she just kind of embraces life and she's bright and she's fun and mm-hmm. she's wicked, wicked smart. One of the things that we wanted to explore with with the character of Barbara is that she's she's this incredible crime fighter. She's super smart. She's you know been a costumed crime fighter since she was a young teen, mm-hmm. and um, so she's super super competent at that. But because of that, she's sort of been denied this this normal life of a of a young person living in a big city, and so she's maybe not as experienced with social interaction the way that other people might be. So that's why, you know, she, the, the party turns out the way it does and why, you know, is, is that she's not experienced in this kind of thing. And so Frankie is, and is someone that can, can kind of help navigate her through social interaction with, with, you know, people of her, of her age. Mm-hmm. So now about Burnside, uh, we've seen heroes, I think in the past move away from their original homes, often to, to places that are really in need of some help. And I, automatically go to Nightwing and him leaving and going to Bloodhaven, though I like to pronounce it Bloodhaven. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, hey, I live, in, I live in Germany. Yes, I'm all about there's the umlaut. an umlaut. Yes. Yeah. So, you gotta, so what is it about Burnside that has attracted Babs to come live there? And what has attracted you about Burnside? Uh, well, I think the, the obvious thing is that we just needed a, a, a geographic shift. Um, we needed to... We needed to um, be able to tell a, a Batgirl story where she wasn't fully dependent on her father, wasn't dependent on Batman or Bruce Wayne or his money. Um, and in fact, that's a complication. You know, even if she wasn't Gotham City, that's a, a complication at the mm. current time. So um, it just made sense to kind of shift her a little bit, but we didn't want to take her out of Gotham. So the obvious thing to do was to move her into a, a borough of Gotham that was just outside of the, the city center. And um, if you think of Gotham City as New York City or Manhattan, Burnside is clearly uh, clearly Brooklyn or maybe the specifically the Williamsburg area of Brooklyn. And... Um, I think, you know, there there are great reasons for us to do that um, in terms of um, in terms of what it means for the story that we're telling right now. But there are also reasons to do it um, looking into the future, future arcs. Um, if you think about if you look at what's happening in Brooklyn, um, specifically when it comes to uh, the gentrification of certain areas and you look at what Barbara's. Um, writing her thesis about at school, which we'll get into more in issue 36. Okay. Um, she's, uh, she's doing a master's in urban geography. Okay. I was going to ask um, about that later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all, it's, it all starts to imply a, a, a particular picture that'll make sense okay. in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
One of the problems with doing serial fiction is that we know the whole picture. And right. Does not. And yeah. so things that might seem glib or might seem like there's no purpose to them, there is a purpose. There really is, it's yeah. Just, you know, we, we just need to be able to tease it out slowly. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, an expectation because this is technically issue 35 and not issue one that we're just going to kind of jump right into it and kind of, you know, everything that we do should be taken at face value. But um, we are kind of trying to construct something that will be, you know, made apparent over the coming issues. Can you talk a little about the uh, the design of Burnside and, and any references or uh, models that you may have gotten that from? We, we literally pulled pins from Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, like photos online, like I was like referencing stuff like that and like really hip coffee, like the coffee shops. Like this, tr- like trendy. Cameron had drawn like a super trendy, like like industrial inside coffee shop, just like stuff you would see like around around Brooklyn. And I'm in San Francisco, so like right. and, and in the hate, so like I've seen you know that stuff's all around me as well. Yeah, I think it's a, Burnside is a composite not just of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but also of the different places that we all live. I mean, as Babs just said, she's in San Francisco. I live in Berlin, which is like hipster central <laughs> in Europe. Brendan is in Montreal, which is another super hipster city. Um, so, you know, it is kind of reflective of the of the lives that we all lead. Um, I've seen, uh, uh, you know, some people say that we're, you know, middle-aged dudes trying too hard to be cool. And it's it's actually not true. <laughs> this is very so accurate. True. This They're is very accurate <laughs> to the lives that we have in the neighborhoods that we live in. This is, this is, the, these are almost exactly people that we know. Um, Frankie, I, I mean, it wasn't the intention, but Frankie is very much uh, one of our best friends, Cameron and I, somebody that oh, we've okay. known for years. Um, the way that everybody interacts with technology, this is how we live. This mm-hmm. is how, I don't know if maybe the rest of the world isn't like this, but certainly this is what it's like in Montreal. This is what my social circles are like. Yeah, I think maybe they don't like it because it hits too close to home, the fact that we have such a reliance on technology now. Uh, so then the the next couple pages, we see the aftermath of this party, which we will later flash back on. And, and I just love uh, the way Babs looks all just messed up after what had happened. And, of course, the, the name Diane is mentioned sort of in passing, but she's someone we have to look forward to in the in the later part of the issue. So one thing I was a little concerned about, I have to say, because, you know, she's my precious Barbara Gordon, is is Babs making out with a guy, first time she met him, kind of partying too hard. And I just wonder, you know, is this just Babs starting over, being a new Babs, or is there something deeper than that? Like, you know, she's trying to, I don't know, party away her, or is it just, you know, she's trying to live it up? Is there anything to read into Babs partying? I, I think there's a lot to read into it in not in plot terms, but mm-hmm. in in terms of what people are like and when they go through great traumas and and make an actual effort to try to bounce back from it and don't don't just like passively you know go to therapy and and or I mean I guess that's active, but like don't passively sit around and and mope and and you know hope that their lives get better when you actively try to make change in your life and and you take yourself out of your comfort zone or or put yourself in a new set of circumstances and and in in Barbara's case try to act like an average 21 year old who Mm -hmm. hasn't 
you know, whose father hasn't been in jail, whose brother isn't a psychopathic killer, whose mother didn't abandon her, who wasn't the superhero through her late teens and paralyzed. If you just try to forget all that for a minute and just try to say, I want to have a house party and I don't want everybody to know that all of this has happened to me. Um, How does that end up for you when you have zero experience with that um, and you make that effort? Well, I think if that were any of us, it wouldn't end up like swimmingly well. (laughs) Something would, something would go wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I mean, nothing on the surface goes wrong per se, Mm -hmm. uh, unless, um, unless you are of a, particular puritanical sort that thinks that kissing is not not right (laughs) yeah i mean we explicitly state that she doesn't sleep with him oh of course yeah um and even you know but i mean is is there really anything wrong with with her you know making out with a guy i i I feel like it's it's uh why why shouldn't she you know why should why should she be denied that when i feel like if it was a male character it wouldn't get nearly the same scrutiny that it does um, because she's female. So my confession is that I'm a huge Dick and Babs shipper. And so mm-hmm. that is why. So I, I just always, you know, Stella. see her with the grace. Did you get mad at him? Stella, <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> no, he's not dead. Stella, he's dead. Babs, yeah, I do. I totally get mad at, at Dick Grayson for being basically the Tony Stark of the DC universe and sleeping with anyone. Yes. But... But anyways, enough about me. I just wanted to confess that that is that is why. But I totally, I totally get it. But uh, I, I get the sen- boy toy. I wouldn't worry about him. Yeah. I get the sense that this is this is kind of an issue with a large portion of the readership that that's taken issue with with this particular scene or this setup. Is that there's a there's a very specific um, and almost two dimensional view of how of how this 21 year old girl should behave. Mm -hmm. And, um, it doesn't to me feel real at all. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a valid criticism that we shouldn't be depicting our superheroes as real people. But, um, that's totally not what we're going for here. And I, I accept that if that's, if that's not to your, to your tastes, but we're, you know, we we think that there was precedent set with mm-hmm. this character that um, you know Gail's run was all about dealing with her post traumatic stress disorder. Right. That's real people, <laughs> and I think we need to continue on that path, uh, treating Barbara like a real human being and and examining um, how she moves through life. Yeah, and, sorry and if that I, was inarticulate. No, no, that was. <laughs> That was great. And and I knew it wasn't just like, hey, she's partying. This is, you know, going to be a trend. I knew that there was like, there's something else there. Like, I, yeah, I knew no. you guys well enough to know that you're not just going to throw something down on the page, that there's going to be a reason for it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we've seen is, you know, they've turned her into this party girl who's going to get wasted every all like in every issue. And it's like, that's absolutely not what's going to happen. Right. At all. Yeah. Um, it's just the setup for this particular issue. But that's, you know, that's really kind of as far as it's going to go. Well, if you can bring Dick Grayson into your future run, I would really appreciate it. But <laughs> Stella, he's dead. <laughs> oh. Anyways, I guess we'll move on. So we 
Don't make me sad. So yeah, then we get into, I think what you were really just talking about using the tech and, and just the social media starting off right there where we have these three emails, one from the bank, which I think just so shows what her situation is like, one from Alicia, which we talked about at the beginning, just her being almost that Jiminy, being like, hey, this isn't really you, what's going on? And then of course, giving a little bit into the idea of she's going back to school and, and what she is doing. Can you give a little sense of, you know, is she starting from scratch with school? Does she still have the degrees that she had? Can you give anything? Because I know you said you're going to explore it more. Is there anything you can talk about this at all? She's in grad school. So she's not, she she hasn't lost the degrees that she already had, you know. She has her undergrad degree. Okay. Okay. Uh, Are we going to see her in in school? Issue 36. Issue 36. Yeah. Awesome. And we learn, we will meet a bunch of characters at her school as well. Again, it's all about kind of, you know, expanding her world and giving her uh, a supporting cast in every aspect of her life, in her home life, in her school life, in her crime fighting life. Okay. So we'll see uh, a lot of things. Um, One thing I want to say about this page with the... Say that again, Beth? Yeah. I I was just saying the next issue's got lots of cuties in it. Oh, okay. (laughs) I hope one looks like Dick Grayson. (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay. what, what you, you, you want know, us to Stella. write a scene like in Vertigo where he, like she'll she'll meet a guy and then try and groom him into dick and like get him <laughs> to dye his hair and cut it in a particular way <laughs> <laughs> Um, one, of the, one of the things I want to say about these emails and the text is that one of the, we made a deliberate decision that we wanted to strike the first person narration um, and and use different means of exposition and so that's why in place of uh, narration boxes, we have these emails and these texts as a way to kind of give exposition, which we felt was just kind of a more, you know, kind of a contemporary way of doing it. And I think also, um, and it's something I didn't realize, um, uh, I didn't realize it early on, but but reading reviews now, I, I, I'm, I tend to believe that part of when people are, are criticizing this book for Barbara being different, I have a feeling it's because that um, monologue voice isn't there anymore, and and it's a tough shift yeah. mm-hmm. to acclimate to. We're not inside her head anymore, sort of. We're we're uh, we're watching well, it more. We, <laughs> we are, but it's just visually. Right. <laughs> well, like, visually yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have a running commentary the way that the way that she has had in the past. Yeah. Will there be any narration? Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, we wanted to try and depict things visually as much. I mean, it's a it's a it's an old you know entertainment rule or or film rule or comics rule of of you know show don't tell, and so that was something that we really wanted to do was to show her because basically what what it came down to is a decision that was born of wanting to show her um, her mind visually and show her uh, analytical skills and her eidetic memory and everything. We want to show that visually, um, whereas in the past it's sort of been described rather than shown, and so we figured if if we're gonna do that, then there really doesn't need there need to be the the narration anymore, and also giving her um, characters that she can talk to eliminates narration as well. Mm-hmm. So then, at the bottom of this, at, when she's at her at the coffee house, we get our first little mini mystery, which you know ties into the bigger mystery. And you put a mystery in pretty early on. Was that intentional to really show like this is who Babs is, and and this is how it's going to be? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was a character moment from the very beginning is that we wanted to we wanted to show that even though she's at her 
not her lowest point, but she's feeling pretty terrible. She's what she's, you know, she's hung over, yeah. she's lost it. She's, you know, um, and this crime happens right under her nose and she could very easily just go, Oh, I'm not dealing with this today cause I'm hung over and I feel terrible, but she goes for it anyway, because that's her, because mm-hmm. she always wants to do the right thing. And she, and she, you know, she's even conflicted about it. She, she hesitates for a moment. She's like, seriously, I got to do this now, but she does it because that's who she is. And you might that. notice that while she's doing it, she looks pretty great. I mean, look at that black bag she's got. You <laughs> bet. Yes. I also like the jacket. I like the jacket, too. And speaking of the arts, one of my favorite things about this is when she's trying to think through what has happened or is is remembering things that she had seen but didn't really pay attention to, um, almost in a Sherlock sort of way from you know, BBC. What was the inspiration for this? I mean, these two pages and then that double page spread when she's back at her apartment retracing her steps during the party. What was the inspiration for just her thinking through her actions and, and just the, the blue background? I guess it's, it's not just really that. that round, but she, yeah. she really has, I mean, she is the only, I think, member of the Bat family who has like a real superpower. And this just yeah. happens to be like a real world superpower. People actually have this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, it's, it's one of the things that separates her from Batman or um, any of the Robins, you know, uh, Nightwing, whoever. Like, she's different. She has this photographic memory. Like, it's, it. It's probably something that she uses to solve crimes, mm-hmm. and we just wanted to embrace that fully. And um, and of course, if we're going to do that, and this is a visual medium, we want to show it and and not talk about it. And then, just like Cameron was was saying a moment ago, um, so this just came down to um, us figuring out a way to do it. And luckily, on our team, we have uh, Cameron Stewart, master of visual storytelling, yeah. who has come up with some of the most incredible layouts for the and man Stella I cannot wait till you see 36 like you think this is send it on over send it on over to me Cameron just like outdid himself with the layouts for 36 like and and then Babs's finishes on those pages ah I'm so I'm like over the moon with number 30 I love 35 but man 36 is 36 is a good one I don't want to I don't want to understate Ab's contribution to this too. I mean, as Brendan says, I mean, the, the storytelling is all mine. Um, but I draw everything. With, I draw these kind of blank mannequins with no clothing on them or anything, or like just the, sort of the, the, <laughs> the barest suggestion of clothing. And then it's Babs who like, it's Babs who gave, um, it's Babs who gave Babs that, that army jacket and that, that awesome backpack and everything. And she's, she's done so much for the visual look of this book. Um, with just, you know, that, the, the guy, the barista in the coffee, in the coffee shop with that handlebar mustache and the tattoos yeah. and everything. I mean, that's tattoos. all that's totally Babs and she's just killing it with that stuff. Babs, bringing about people it. to life, bringing the characters to life, bringing the yeah. city to life. Totally uh-huh. Babs. Yeah. I just, you know, I feel like, uh, fashion is my passion and Take some that to the story, you know, like make a make interesting characters. And, uh, you know, I went to art school and uh, I live in this neighborhood, you know, hate. And I just these are like people I see all the time that have been in my life for a long time. So it's fun to like decorate the world with them. <laughs> this is a, it's incredible for me to see because I'm not a part of the um, the, the the art back and forth between these two guys. But to see 
each of them sort of uh, carry a specific part of the load on these pages is is tremendous. To watch Cameron um, develop this incredible storytelling language and then hand it off to Babs and watch her flesh out the page and bring it to life and and make it feel so grounded and real, um, it's it's astounding. I'm in awe of my team. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Virtual hugs. <laughs> So then we get to the perp in the alleyway, and one of my favorite Barbara Gordon stories is Batgirl Year One, and there's a moment where she encounters someone, and she's just completely underestimated being, you know, a woman and, and younger, and the, the whole shtick through that thing is that she doesn't meet height requirements, and I got a real sense of that, her being underestimated, and is that going to be something that, that is just brought up, and she's going to have to fight against it, that people look at her either as Barbara Gordon or as Batgirl, and they're like, you're nothing, and then she beats him down, and then they're scared? Or is it just a first-issue moment? I think it's a first-issue moment. I I don't think we want to bang that drum too much, because I feel like if every every issue has someone, you know, saying that she looks young or whatever, you know, I think that might get old fast, but... but, I think it was definitely a good thing to because part of the thing is that we we're anticipating that a lot of new readers are going to come to this issue, and so we wanted to you know set up some just some basic things um, just to get establish the feel of it so that new readers uh, can understand what's going on and not um, not necessarily feel like they're coming in mid story you know mm-hmm. so like, that's why we're that's why that certain things seem like you know we're we're setting things up that maybe don't need to be set up or whatever it's it's because we're anticipating that there'll be people who'll be reading this for the first time I know I was new to the uh the story you know when when they pulled me on and I was reading it and this kind of let me know that like Babs is 21 mm-hmm. clearly and the drinking was legal and <laughs> She's legal, and uh, you know, it kind of tells you her age, like in case you like didn't know, or there's like still a question. Yeah. I think, and then it's like it's in the hook app later on. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. specifically that yeah. she is 21. Some people still miss this, though. Some people th- yeah. still think she's meant to be 30 or whatever, and she, no, she's 21 years old, yeah. which is only two years away from being a teenager. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, she was always younger. I mean, she always had yeah. her degree in, you know, in the silver age, she had her degree very early on. So yeah, it goes along with her history and, you know, props to you Babs for making Barbara Gordon cute, even when she's throwing up in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we get to a really big moment, which actually very much shocked me. And it was seeing Dinah Lance just just pop up in this issue. So here's this question. I'll try to have a nice inflection. So what gave you the idea to bring her into this book? Um, hmm. <laughs> How do we talk well, we, about this? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those landmines I just dropped by accident. Well, I don't think it's a landmine. I mean, it was when we were putting together our initial pitch um, – and, and coming up with our first outline, one of the things that we were um, sort of asked to do was it was like, look, this is a shared universe. You're trying as best you can to separate it from the Bat books and, you know, have it be its own little thing. But you do have an opportunity to use characters that, that do exist already. And it was a suggestion from Mark, I think, was to use um, Dinah. And with the, the backstory that we were given was that in Birds of Prey, they would had this um, falling out. Mm-hmm. And so that they were... Uh, currently, 
um, at odds with each other and not friends. They were formerly friends and teammates and they'd had this big falling out and now they really didn't like each other. And we just thought that was interesting from a dramatic standpoint. We could, you know, bring her in and have them sort of be forced to coexist as these unlikely roommates and have this tension between them um, that, that made it, you know, it was a kind of a nice contrast to Frankie and, you know, the, her chummy roommate. We have the one that, 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 you know, they're sort of forced to live together when they don't really like each other. Which I think is fun, you know, because everyone has that roommate that you don't like at one point in your life or like you didn't get along with. And I think it's fun to see that kind of aspect in the book be brought to the book, too, like in a relatable sense. And sometimes you have falling out with fallings out with friends too. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, sometimes you have a really good friend and you get into an argument and then you hate them for a little while. And that's where we are with these two characters. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they will always hate each other, but at the moment they're, they're not, uh, they're not doing so great as friends. Do you think we can expect there to be a, a mini birds of prey team here in your book? Or is that to, uh, can't that's something that we wanted to avoid actually. Okay. Because, and we're, we're careful that, that she appears as Dinah she okay. does not appear as Black Canary, yeah. and and the reason for that was that yeah, if we if we brought in Black Canary <laughs> in costume, you know, fighting alongside of her, then it becomes Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite relationships in the pre New Fifty Two. So I do hope that they they get past the stuff that has gone on because I did read Birds of Prey as well, so I I totally know what what's going on here. But uh, I, I'm hoping that they'll have a better relationship mm-hmm. later on. But it's interesting to see how everything well, interacts. Friends who are very good friends, I mean, eventually do patch things up. So, you know, you don't stay at odds with each other forever. Um, so, we, you know, we might we may see it uh, be resolved at some point. But for now, I think it makes it just makes fun kind of dramatic tension between yeah. them. Yeah. Yep. Dramatic so, and comedic. Yes. That yeah. Is true. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to skip a couple pages, and we get to the the page that has Barbara talking simultaneously almost to Sven and Diane. And I really thought it was clever the way that uh, some of their, their sentences drop off, and then the other character picks up right where they started. And what what gave you the, the idea to, to go along with, with that sort of scripting? That was full-on Cameron Stewart. Okay. We need to we need to do something awesome on this page. It's going to be a bunch of talking heads and boring. Yeah, I think that it was really born out of that. It was that it was otherwise it may have just been a boring kind of info dump, and and so yeah. in order to make it be something that popped and seemed a little, uh, you know, a little interesting, we need to come up with some interesting device for the page. So, um, I've, it took I've been a thinking, bunch of passes. It took a bunch of passes to make it feel yeah. okay. Like we. We we just were never happy with it until I mean even right at the end we were doing um, we were doing some tweaks on it to kind of make it work and, yeah and there's that incidentally in, oh sorry go ahead no I was going to say there's a, there's a, I mean the actual inspiration for this page came from uh, Shaun of the Dead and there's oh. a scene in Shaun of the Dead where uh, they they have yet to realize that the zombie apocalypse has broken out and they're flipping through the channels they're sitting on the couch hungover and they're flipping through the channels <laughs> and all of the all of the channels. All the all of the clips and commercials and and bits of TV that they're watching all sort of string together and form a sentence about the zombie apocalypse, and that was kind of how I was thinking of it. Was was this way of telling a single story using two different characters saying different things, but contrasting them and juxtaposing them in in hopefully a clever way. I was going to say this is fun to hear because I don't I don't always hear their writing it like how they. How the sausage gets made on their end. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I just wanted to add a little a little bit of trivia that um, this character Seven, who was originally named Seven Sengupta and is now I didn't realize until it got printed now called Seven Gupta, um, which is fine. We'll go with it. Uh, was initially one of supposed to be one of the main um, characters in the book. Um, one of the main supporting cast and one of the sort of best friends of old best friends of Frankie and uh, in Barbara's regular crew. And just as, as you know, as you do in working these things out, um, he's kind of taken a back seat, but he'll, he'll pop up occasionally. But I, I kind of really like that guy. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to put him in there more. He's just, he's really cool. You know, yeah. he's one of the guys, he's one of the characters who's just got his, together he's got a business he does it well but he still hangs out with these these uh, our other characters occasionally who are you know struggling a little more <laughs> who are a bit younger and, and struggling in their lives a bit more yeah. seven's got it all together it seems he, like it it's fun to draw too yeah he, he just makes poor dating choices <laughs> yeah he probably shouldn't use hook but you know maybe he's, not he's he's two of us has not made a bad online dating <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of online dating, let's go to that page right now. And I, I have to, I just love Dinah's face where she's eating the cereal saying, Barbara Gordon, online dating. Oh, I'm really going to enjoy this. And Barbara giving her, like, you need to shut up kind of face. Any Anything you want to say about this? Just her getting dolled up and then her hook profile? I'll, I'll say this, and it's this is another page that we get criticism for occasionally in, in some of the many reviews I've read, is that Barbara wouldn't do this. And we're, I mean, it's right there on the page. We're giving you commentary about how unusual this is for Barbara. Yeah. And she's only doing it to catch the bad guy. Yeah. Barbara would never do this. Um, I mean, maybe there's a part of her, though, that would love to do this, but she just kind of can't get her head around it it doesn't make sense for her now she kind of has an excuse to do it Mm -hmm. but she's doing it for um for crime fighting purposes which totally legitimizes it yeah exactly yeah i also i wanted to write uh a a, a sort of a makeover scene just for babs to draw because i thought that would be a lot of fun yeah Uh, it was fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very cool uh, I'm sorry people didn't get it I got it right away that hey this is you know weird but she's doing it because you know she's got to catch this guy and she realizes this is the way to do it so people need to read more that's 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 what the entire previous page yeah. is setting up yes yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so then we get to a really big page I would say and I would almost call it iconic and it's page 13 but it this is the page where she is becoming Batgirl and this is something that in all of the the news releases, I think that you guys were doing, you know, there was some critique about this this outfit that she had, and and I love that she was really making it her own and really not being a derivative of Batman, but becoming her own sort of Batgirl. So, yeah. and I also thank you so much, and I just applaud the fact that we got to know Babs as Barbara for like seventy five percent of this issue, and then now we're actually getting to know her as Batgirl. But I love just getting to know her as Barbara Gordon. So thank you so much. Uh, but stuff is my like favorite yeah of any superhero story like even the avengers and stuff like i like it when thor's like at home like drinking coffee exactly or, like, you know, yeah like, you well, that's that's the relatable situation. yeah 
Right. That's the stuff that, that, you know, when you can identify with that, you feel a greater attachment to the character so that yeah. when they do the less realistic stuff, it's still believable and grounded and you're invested in the character. Yeah. So what made you want to delay introducing her new costume? And then can you talk a little bit about the art of that page, just the, the set out and the layout? And I'm going to be a nerd and tell you that I looked up. I tried to find that song that it's shown as, and it was it didn't exist. It didn't exist. I was so betrayed. A lot of people have done that, and I think it's a testament to how plausible it sounds. Because yeah, it does. People I have tried to buy it on club iTunes. Song. Exactly. Yes. It's going to be a club song for sure. Yeah. We, yeah, so we didn't want to necessarily a, delay the, the appearance of Barbara as Batgirl, but it's just, it was how our narrative went. It's we needed to we needed to jump through certain hoops first to get to that point, um, and it's just it's just how we wanted to play it. It's it, I you know it it sucks that we only get a few pages of Batgirl in this issue, but um, believe me, we make up for it in subsequent issues. Mm-hmm. We had so much to do in terms of setting up the new status quo and our new environment, and we had to put all these dominoes in place. And this this story, I mean. Without giving too much away, everybody, you know, everyone's saying, oh, it's great. It's a story that's finished by the, you know, the last page of the first issue. But it really isn't. This is a story that is setting up a whole bunch of stuff to come. And we had to put all these dominoes in a row. So it, that's why it took up half the issue or more than half the issue to, in order to get all that stuff kind of out of the way. And then we get into the, to the action scene of her you know, dressing in costume. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't, to be fair, we didn't need to do that uh, party memory as a double page spread but come on it was just so it was, cool it was it was awesome yeah yeah, yeah. we wanted to give that room to breathe and i think it yeah. i think it was the right call yeah you're, you're quite right in what you just said though about um her making her own costume and it not being you know derivative of batman we have a lot of people saying like well if her if her costume burned up you know bruce would just give her a new one and and we didn't want that we yeah. wanted to make sure that it was something that she did on her own because we're trying whenever possible to make this about her and not about anybody else well and um, in fact there are some bruce wayne complications going on at this point in continuity that would make that challenging right right and in in the I think the very first appearance of Batgirl, she makes her own costume. There's a there's a panel of her, you know, of course, with the yeah. sewing machine yeah. putting it together. So it's kind of a callback to that as yeah. well. Exactly. Which um, which I love because you guys talked when I talked with you about San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> it was very clear to me that you guys were investigating and actually researching and and looking at this character, which I I just knew I trusted you at that moment to know that you were doing your legwork and and seeing. Who is Barbara Gordon and, you know, who is Batgirl? Babs, do you have anything to say about, about the art on this particular page, just her creating the costume and the layout um, and everything? Cameron had a really great layout, and I was just doing my Babs icing on top of it. But um, <laughs> I, li- I like that she made, just in general, I like that it's a costume she put together herself. I think that's really special and, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it looks like, you know, it goes into the design, like, me and Cameron, you know, he he had this great base done and like I kind of love that it's something that she went out you know we kind of like figured she went to these like thrift stores and she picked out this stuff herself and it's you know it makes sense that it looks like younger and trendier because she probably had to go to like the racks and try to pick yeah. out stuff that was already existing you know and work with it and it's all about her being resourceful too it's, yeah. it's about her like this is what i have to do now i'm gonna go do it and i'm gonna and she'll solve the problem of i don't have a costume I'm going to make one right now. And she does it in a really short period of time. Yeah, I kind of love that. (laughs) 
Uh, any thoughts on the next two pages where she's she goes up against Brad, a.k.a. Jason, a.k.a. Andrew? Because otherwise I'm going to talk about this Riot Black character. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know if, you, if there's anything uh, that you want. No, we're just happy to have another opportunity to use her photographic memory in a different yep. way here. And, yep. Yeah, and that, to was, show that her, was a panel that I was pretty excited about getting yeah. to. To show her affinity with uh, technology again. Um, she can do things that that normal people can't do at at great speed. Yep, and she threatens yeah. his mom, and he's worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> she threatens. Yeah. No, no. Let's be clear. She threatens to call his mom. Not yes, to, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. To call his mom. Yeah. <laughs> I think Maris colored this these pages really fun. I really like um, the fun things she does with like the color changing on the other page, and um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maris has done some really stellar work in this issue. It's, yeah, that's pretty. So then we get to this character, Riot Black. Man, what's just talk about his design? What went into his design and his manner of speaking with the hashtags? <laughs> and what is up with that pizza tattoo? That's what I want to know. So yeah, let's apps. let's just talk about his his design in general. And then speaking with hashtags, I heard a rumor. That it was either Cameron or Brendan said that uh, it was basically to to make him sound more like a douchebag. No, we will. We, yeah. we we just did it. It, it was. Uh, I think I wrote it in the script the first time just to make you laugh, Cameron. Wasn't that the yeah? Like- it was originally just a joke, and <laughs> and, uh, and it became. I mean, Riot Black is meant to be the worst of the internet personified. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so he is meant to be instantly hateable. Yep. And. The hashtag, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, like, again, this whole idea of, like, oh, these, you know, these are old dudes trying to think they're they're cool, but, like, kids talk with hashtag. It's not, we know it's stupid. We know it's lame. We know it's obnoxious. And that was entirely the point. Batgirl doesn't talk in hashtags. Riot Black talks in hashtags because he's a Mm douchebag. And everyone's supposed to hate him instantly. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of he's he's a mashup of Hunter Moore, who's the guy that ran that um, is anyone up revenge porn website mm. um, and a riffraff who was like the, the kind of, in turn the inspiration for James Franco's character in Spring Breakers. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just meant to be as like obnoxious and douchey as possible. And so that was the directive that we gave to Babs was just like, m- make us hate this guy right okay. away. <laughs> and like coming from my background, like, you you know, uh, I only drew all my illustrations that were in my style were very much like cute, pretty things that I like yeah. to draw. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember designing this guy and I'm just like grossing myself out like... <laughs> drawing him it was like such a new feeling because usually i i only draw things that like i love and then i'm like drawing this thing that i like i'm disgusted by and like super grossed out and i remember like sending the guys like sketches and i was like oh this guy's the worst (laughs) (laughs) what was it was there anything behind the pizza tattoo no they're just dumb i was like what are just super obnoxious like things that this guy just have on him and i feel like pizza like pizza things are kind of overused and those like those star tattoos are kind of overused like bold it's like everything and then like that skull like the flipped up hat like who would get that (laughs) on that talk about the uh talk about the right forearm tattoo a little bit (laughs) (laughs) no regrets 
No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Did they make me change? You guys made me change it. Did I leave it? No, because I didn't get it at first. It says no regrets, and I said to Babs, "I was like, Babs, you got a spelling error there." <laughs> no, it's on purpose, though, because like. No, I know, and it took me a while to get it, and then like, like it was only just like a couple weeks ago. I was like, "Oh, I get it now." <laughs> no. Well, I originally had it as no regrets because, like, if you look up like misspelled tattoos, that's like that's like very common one. And I just figured, like, he would definitely have one of those on him and, yeah. you know, like, just have to live with it and rock it and whatever. And um, just the barbed wire, like, that that barbed wire-like tattoo is just so 1990s and horrible. And uh, <laughs> I still see them today. And then, like, well, the just tattoos one. are forever once you get them. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Touche, sir. <laughs> and then he's got like the RB necklaces, those like horrible, like flavor flavor, like bling bling things that are kind of, you know, like I feel like he thinks he's really cool, but it's really just all these like obnoxious things just mashed into like one person. I was just trying to. Which is again, people have taken that at face value and think that we're making this guy because we think this is what's cool. And it's no, no, we're, you know, give us more credit than that. We, we, yeah. we know this guy is, is obnoxious and stupid. And disgusting, and he like you. You're supposed to just instantly bristle at him and just go, "Oh God, this guy." Cameron's layouts are really good too. Like that face, that that close up face is like so. Like Cameron had that drawn just like that, and I was like, "I didn't change a thing. It was too perfect." And what is that? Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering if it was intentional that the panels are very much straight, parallel, and then, uh, well, they're still parallel, but then they're angled when they get into the bathroom, and I wondered if that was uh, an intentional decision there. That was just... uh, Action. uh, Yeah, it was just a way to make the page a little more interesting. Actually, I I redrew this whole fight scene because the the first pass at it um, was actually kind of dull. And uh, our wonderful editor, Chris Conroy, um, called us on that. <laughs> it was like, you've got so much other great stuff here. And then our one big action scene is kind of weak in comparison. So I went back in and, and added in a bunch of action beats. Because I think the first one was only like four panels. And um, so I went in and changed a bunch of it. And just, yeah, putting the panels at an angle. Just, I mean, it's a small thing, but it's just trying to come up with a slightly different way, a slightly unique way to do the, the page layout. Very cool. Is I really this- like that panel of her. Sl- I'm surprised no one's picked up on this. My favorite panel on that page is her slamming his head into the urinal. Yeah. <laughs> I have such a satisfying moment for me. Yeah. It's like her grabbing his head and bam. And I haven't seen anyone mention that, which is kind of distressing to me because it's my favorite panel on that yeah, page. Too bad it couldn't have been a Sin City moment uh, <laughs> where Clive Owen was putting uh, Benicio Del Toro's face in like – Remember, he went to the yeah, bathroom. Yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't gross the audience out. Uh, <laughs> is is this villain at all a social commentary on? I mean, yeah. things that have happened recently. Just the fact that you know celebrity photos have been leaked online, and of course, there are people that actually look at them and, and don't ignore them. Was there anything within this character that you were sort of bringing up? Oh, well, absolutely. we we wrote this, but I mean, yeah. we wrote this back in May. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's and, the kind of stuff that already happened. Like right. Yeah. Anyone up at website has been up for years, and I mean, it's down now. But but uh, you know th- this kind of person, uh, you know, fortune and and uh, is anyone up and all these things. These these people exist already, and it was definitely intended to be that kind of character. Um, and then you know, uh, sadly, um, th- that you know that big celebrity nude leak happened. Yeah. Uh, 
which which suddenly made this issue really timely and really mm-hmm. relevant. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question about this guy. I recently read for my, my show Oracle Year One by John Ostrander. And there's a moment where as Oracle, she she's going up against this villain called Interface and she uses basically Interface's powers against her in a very similar manner uh, that, that Babs does here with that little, I don't even know what that thing is called, but I see it everywhere. Uh, you know, the little symbol there to, to scan your smartphone. I just wonder if there's any pull from that, any influence there, or what gave you the idea that she's going to defeat him, you know, with his own basically power is his weakness and, and, and to use this very clever device here. Well, we definitely want to have her besting the bad guys with her brains mm-hmm. uh, rather than her fists as right. much as we can. Um, because I think it's, again, one of the things that makes um, Barbara really unique in, in amongst the Bat family and the, the other girls who were Batgirl pre-New 52. Um, it, it's her affinity for uh, her, her ability to use technology is is uh, like unrivaled, and we're dealing with uh, characters kind of steeped in technology here, and a, and a part of the culture that's steeped in technology. So um, yeah, it just felt natural to do that, and of course, um, it is a callback to who she was pre New Fifty Two. Um, you know, we don't want to ignore the fact that. Um, for the last, whatever, 25 years or something, uh, Barbara Gordon was Oracle. And um, that's an important character to a Mm -hmm. lot of people. So some of those qualities that she exhibited over over her time as Oracle um, are things that we want to play with a little bit. So then we have this final page, and she comes home. Sadly, all of her schoolwork is gone, even though she got her laptop back. And she also realizes she was at fault for Dinah's fire. And then we get this threatening text. Any Anything to say about this this final page here? And I do have a question about the text, so you can leave <laughs> I, that later and, and just I'd talk like about it. I'd like to definitely say that this was uh, initially a two-page scene. This was, oh, okay. This was a 22-page yeah. book when uh-huh. we wrote it. And um, very close to the time when Cameron had to start doing layouts, we lost two pages. So we had to compress some things, and um, this was one of the sacrifices. So this this scene feels very compressed because it was initially played out over two pages, and that's... Just... A giant-sized shout-out to Jared Fletcher for making this work as well. Like, yeah. It was very, very difficult for him to get all the lettering in, but I think he yeah. made it really, really work. So is everything there from the two pages, or did you have to omit some of the stuff that you originally had? You, you lose some character stuff. You know, okay. you, lose, you lose a couple of beats, but we hit all of the important points. It's just they don't play out kind of as fluidly as we had initially written them. It's, it, it, you know, all, all these beats now get hit really quickly, <laughs> panel to panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it still plays. So this this text here, pretty threatening. Someone knows her identity. Is this something that we're going to see kind of thread in and out of of bigger storylines? Is it an overarching storyline, and then kind of at at the conclusion of several issues, we'll see, you know, no, it build never, up or never address it again. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. you're punking me. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously it's the setup for the. I mean, the, w- w- this first six issue arc is um, we're doing a, a collection of of these sort of short done in one stories, but that has a an overarching story that goes through them all, and this is the first sort of major setup for that storyline. Well, here it is. Any Easter eggs that readers missed? 
that I missed? Any lingering graffiti that we should look for? (laughs) (laughs) Babs, go for it. All right, here we go, guys. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Gotham Academy shirt on Dinah on that last page. Oh. Did you catch that one? No. Uh, But I see it now. There's a Dick Grayson symbol where I actually had a doodle wiener on the wall. It's like... uh, In the bathroom? Yeah. It's like on panel six. It's the Nightwing logo. Like right above the clock. You can see the... Yeah. It's in the urinal head smash panel. Oh. Right above the O. Oh, I see it. You can see it. There's a the so Grayson. You guys care after all about That me. used to be a penis. And then oh, God. She changed it to a dick. <laughs> Cameron told me they can, we can have a doodle wiener on the wall. It's like, no, no. It's a so I suggested to Babs we use another type of dick pick. Right. <laughs> there you go. I'm just worried um, about all the moms against whatever they are. That yeah. Penis. Million Moms March or whatever the hell they're called. They're, they're oh, gonna... yeah. on the bathroom door, I wrote uh, CM plus BF. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely writers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I think Mar- Maris also added a bunch of extra, uh, like a, a bunch of extra graffiti. So there could be things she added there too as well. One says poop. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the poop. <Yeah. laughs> um, Riot Black on that first uh, panel of him, he's got like a. Uh, like a Luna pin type tattoo on his side. Mm-hmm. Sailor Moon. Uh, what else did I put in here? You've got some uh, cameos in the party scene. Oh, yeah. I've got um, Betty Betty Fallon in the, in the party scene. I've got uh, like a Ramona Flowers inspired character. I've got like a Spike Spiegel inspired character. I have a bunch of my friends from art school. <laughs> Christopher Anka is in there. Uh, Chris Anka in there and uh, Natalie Hall. I don't know if you guys know she is, but she's a really good illustrator too. I kept um, meaning to ask you, is that Becky on the couch? Uh, no, but it does look just like her, doesn't it? It's very Becky-ish, yeah. Yep. Tell her it's her. We can say it's Becky. <laughs> She'll Tell her never to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, what else? There's a, a Valkyrie symbol on the on the page before that party scene on the wall, like in the apartment. Um, with the Valkyries are a group of two, like 300 girls that work in comic shops now, oh. and they have like a they have they're a big supporter of us, and we wanted to give them like a shout out. Um, let's see. In the coffee shop scene, there's like a, a Sailor Moon esque figure. In in the shadows, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Oh, the new Fifty Two shirt. I thought that was a cute touch. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. it. That's it. Great. I think. <laughs> I knew there'd be ones, so I'm glad that you that you did have them. And yes, they're awesome. There's much less. There's like not a lot as many in the next one, but it's still it's still there's still a couple. So try to find them. Okay. I'll there's, be on the lookout for sure. There's a couple other things that I'll point out that I won't explain, um, but you can. Uh, well, one is obvious: the QR code is active, oh. and um, the QR code itself is an Easter egg. Interesting. And so if you scan it, you, it's kind of it, yeah. like the most interesting Easter egg that there is. Okay. And also, when um, Babs looks into Frankie's room. Um, there are a couple of crutches in there that nobody's talking about. And so that'll, it's just another character point 
but well, it goes back to the the first page where they exactly. met at physical therapy. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. So that's a nice detail to add, though one that yeah. I that I admittedly missed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything. I everything has a purpose in here, which I love, and things in the beginning that you feel like don't have a purpose will show up later. Like I felt like that the first time I read that Diane conversation that Frankie was having with, or Frankie's friend was having with herself. I was like, well, who's this Diane? Why do I need to care? And then Diane, (laughs) Diane pops up later and it was very, it was needed. It was necessary. So Brendan and I spent a very, very long time and continue to spend a very long time kind of going through all of this stuff and making sure that if we mention something, it'll have purpose later, you know, maybe not in this issue, but down the line, um, nothing's in there. Glibly, nothing's in there by accident. My final part is just uh, a speed round, basically yes or no questions, and I think there are only <laughs> there are only like four of that. Well, because they're kind of in the future, so I don't want you guys to get into trouble. So it's just like yes or no, or no comment. <laughs> you could say no comment. That'll be your third option. Okay. So, is this the whole supporting cast that we're going to be dealing with for a while? No. Okay, no. and I think you talked about that with the uh, the school. You talked that we're going to meet some new people. A significant new character next issue. In Ooh, fact. interesting. Okay, yeah. will Babs consistently be fighting more street level punks for right now? Yes. Okay. Are you going to use any other Batgirls? This was a listener question. Any so Steph, Tiffany, or Cass? We saw in Future's End. Any chance of them popping up? Not no, in this arc. Okay, I was going to say no comment is still your option in case yeah. you need to use that card. Well, we're only, you know, we've only, um, we're just working on this arc for the time being. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Every every uh, comment, you know, we, we're very aware of all of the um, d- desires of a lot of the fans oh, course, and about yeah. these characters. And, uh-huh. and it's, you know, when people say, oh, we wish it was Stephanie Brown or we wish it was Cassandra Cain or we wish it was Oracle or all these things. We know all of that and we share a lot of those same mm-hmm. Uh, desires and and uh, what we hope to do long term is to come up with ways that uh, will satisfy those um, those wants and in, in hopefully in ways that will be maybe you know a little less uh, predictable and, and surprising but we we hope that we'll be able to you know give everybody what they want eventually will Batman or any other bat family member show up not for the time being okay yeah. will uh, anything happen with her father, James Gordon, will he at all pop up or will she visit him while he's in jail? He's going to pop up in a very interesting way. A question that's not yes or no. Is this happening during Eternal? Like, Can you give me a sense of timeline continuity-wise? Is it after Eternal? I think You'll the publishing see. schedule was, was a yeah. little uh, out of sync. And, okay. and uh, I think you know when we were given uh, this job, we, you know, one of the things was that Eternal was going to set us up and have Eternal, you know, they push Batgirl to a particular point where she decides that if she continues down this path, she's going to be swallowed by the darkness and she'll basically become Batman and she doesn't want that. And she throws up her hands and she's like, I'm out of here. Um, and I think that that hasn't happened yet in Eternal. So I think the, the, the timelines are a little off. So it's safe to say that this happens slightly after the events of Eternal. Okay, good to know. And will James Jr. be appearing at all? No. 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 Okay. Final question. Are you guys going to be on this book for a good time? A good Forever. while? <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Reminds me of Sandlot. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll be on it as long as people continue to buy it and support it. Yeah. So, you know, as always, uh, we hope that that happens and people do support us. Any Gotham Academy Batgirl uh, crossover possibilities? It's happening already. You see Dinah wearing a Gotham Academy. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and um, that if you pick true. up Gotham Academy number one, you'll see uh, uh, this character Heathcliff, who you just kind of 
kind of meet very quickly is wearing an Ashes on Sunday t-shirt. And uh, while you don't really know about Ashes on Sunday yet, you can see it on the cover of issue 35. Uh, but there's, uh, there's all sorts of little touches like that that'll kind of cross over, sort of world-building things. But we, you won't see any Gotham Academy characters in Batgirl for the time being and vice versa. You won't see Batgirl in Gotham Academy yet. I think this is my final question. If you were to listen to one song while reading this, what would that song be? <laughs> a real song. Please do not punk me again. 212 is the one that we kind of set us on the path for this back. Uh, back Azealia Banks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing that in an interview. Yeah. Which has some R-rated lyrics in it. It but, does. Uh, so I can't use that for my intro music. Anything I could use for my intro music? <laughs> well, you can you can use it like an instrumental version of two one two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, that that song was uh, n- not. It wasn't about the lyrics. It was, a, it was about the 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 tone of it, the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really inspirational to us when we just started um, brainstorming the um, the story, the concept, the the world of Burnside, the other characters in Burnside. That's what we wanted to. That's the feeling that we wanted to get across in that costume building page, page thirteen of the issue, when she's putting the costume together. And there's, you know, the reason why that little iTunes uh, box is there is we show that she's she's listening to music. She's getting pumped up for a night out, you know. And but instead of going out, you know, to a club or something, she's getting ready to to go out and kick ass as Batgirl. Mm-hmm. So as a, a last plug for you, because I've been trying to plug it on my show to pick it up. What what. What would you say to people that, that are nervous about picking it up? What would be your, I guess, your little elevator chat about, you know, this book and, and why they should read it? Don't we be nervous. About, Don't be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Three bucks. Come on. It's less than a coffee. I had someone, I had someone say express reservation to us and say, you know, I just, I just really care a lot about Barbara Gordon. And my response to it is like, well, we care a lot about her too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we are, as far as we're concerned, I mean, some people may disagree, but as far as we're concerned, we're trying to honor the character, uh, as best as we can and, and try and make it, you know, feel very much like Barbara. Um, even though that there are some things that, that might seem initially to be jarring. It's, uh, we, we think we have the, the, the history of the character, um, very firmly in mind. You heard and not, it here not first. just the history of the character, in you know since oracle this is going back yes. to yvonne yeah. craig mm-hmm. this is going yeah. back to the depiction in the batman animated series yeah. and taking all of that into account and then looking at what she would be like at 21 mm-hmm. so basically you're telling me is dick Grayson's going to appear in the next issue He's, dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's so dead Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> find that like every issue is going to be really different, and just uh, you know, if you if this wasn't like your cup of tea, this first one, like stick with us. There is like an overall plan, and we're trying to serve you up something different every issue, and you know, just to just to stick with it and see what we've got up our sleeves. Also, I'll say this. If, uh, I think by the time we hit issue number forty, <laughs> anybody who is doubting. Our direction will come back. Um, so if you do, if you find it, that it's not your thing, you know, you might want to check in in a bunch of issues. And you're ch- you're chatting about that right after this, about forty, right? Yeah. I mean, is your date open for a third party? 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's just uh, do it right now, Brennan. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Let's chat it. I, I'll turn the recording program off. Yeah. Uh, I cannot express how how great a pleasure this was to talk with all three of you. I loved this issue. Um, I love talking to you about it and just get a, a even a better sense of what you intended and and all the little things and everything. And thank you so much to the dedication to to this character. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Stella. Yeah. That Hopefully. Means a lot that you that you enjoy it. You know, I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're we're making stuff that we want people to enjoy, right. and it's yeah. really uh, uh-huh. it's really great to know that that you that it worked for you. Of course, of course. I hope to maybe at the end of your first arc, we can chat again uh, about the the story as a whole. Yeah. That'd Sounds be good. great. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Take care, all, and and good luck in in the future issues. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Stella. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?